By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, part of the Cannabis Life Experience, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Join us on this journey and adventure with the wonderful plant. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 89 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. Hour one, uh, that is, hour number two will come out tomorrow morning. On this show, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. And my name is Dean Millard and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. And there is certainly one way that we like to kick things off on the program. And that's by asking you, what's your groove? in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boo-boo, don't it? Pipe in a grape, one in a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. Can you dig it? So when I ask what's your groove, if you're new to the show, I'm asking that while you're listening, uh, are you grooving with anything cannabis? Do you got a joint, maybe a bong, your favorite pipe? Uh, you're just relaxing with some, uh, you know, some really, really cool CBD cultivars. Maybe you've got a drink, uh, edible, who knows? Whatever it is you're grooving with, if indeed you are, please let me know. I have uh, the uh, the Blue Dream Click from uh, original stash this is really cool you actually literally just turn it uh, and it comes out slowly it uh, doesn't uh, gush out or anything like that and then uh, you know you could put it on the the top of your joints if you wanted to uh, i do that i line the joint uh, put some keef on it uh, but today i've uh, thrown it in the slash from stonesmiths two clicks 12 second auto fire you wait four seconds to let it heat up and then you go The flavors, they come through so beautiful with this. And, <coughs> excuse me, right now, real good opportunity. There, there's, uh, you know, we're going we're to talk about a vape shipping crisis going on in the United States right now that, of course, is going to affect companies that ship to the United States. But that means a lot of consumers will not be able to get their vapes from the United States that live in Canada Perfect time for you to get on board with a Canadian company. It's a local Edmonton company. We'll tell you more about them as we go. But uh, just a heads up, if you are looking to get uh, some sort of vape, uh, concentrate, pen, accessory, check local before you look at the United States because it's going to be hard to get those, as you will find out uh, as we roll along. All right, so now that we have our groove on, it's time to find out 
what is coming down the hash pipe on this episode. David Wiley uh, will join us for this week in cannabis news. He is, of course, from the OZ. We're going to talk about essential weed workers, um, something that I totally disagree with from High Canada Magazine and, and something I think that is terribly irresponsible. We are also going to talk about that vape shipping crisis and some big pot predictions uh, for the next few years. Malcolm LaBelle of the Green Generation Co., as always, on the business of cannabis. Uh, we're going back to green roots in the lead. In Game Changers, it's Seth Rogen's Mother Sandy and in what it means to be green. Uh, we're going to discuss how the legacy market can get into the legal market, but how there's also a stigma within the cannabis industry. There's a stigma about cannabis, and there's also a stigma sometimes from that legacy market about legalization. Uh, and we're all going to have to work together if this thing is going to uh, take off like we think it will. Uh, the cannabis question is about a specific uh, type of cultivar, one-to-ones I'm asking you about, are cannabis characters from Pineapple Express, and we'll tell you about the weed word of the day. It'll be about a joint and how uh, a bit of a growing uh, technique. We'll also uh, let you know about the Weed Weekly. That comes out every Friday, and you can get it right into your inbox. All right, let's get it going right now, though, with the cannabis question. It's prize time. <laughs> Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a grape, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. So if you're watching, you can see the question on the screen. If you're listening, check out the YouTube channel, Cannabis 101 Podcast. We also stream this on our uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter channels and, and our Twitch channel as well. The question is, what is your favorite one-to-one cannabis cultivar? You can email me, Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. You can also stay anonymous and win a prize. Get us on Facebook and Instagram the Cannabis 101 podcast, and on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101. Chime in to win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Actually, chiming in about anything on the show gets you into the draw, and then we pick a name and send it out to our winner. So what is your favorite one-to-one cannabis cultivar? Right now, I'm on the Dance Hill uh, kick from uh, Spinach. We did it recently in uh, Know Your Buds uh, with Chris Ionson, and uh, I absolutely love it for daytime use. It uh, provides me with the, the the creativity that I really want. It, it gets me going because it's a nice sativa, but it doesn't uh, just, you know, blow me right away uh, so where I'm just absolutely ripped like some other, uh, you know, non-one-to-one uh, cultivars. So that's, for me, uh, is dance hall. That's what I'm going with. Uh, I'm absolutely loving it. And uh, just stocked up at uh, Plant Life Aaron Ridge uh, earlier today uh, to uh, to grab some, uh, earlier this week, rather, and uh, grabbed some uh, because I always like to have that and some Blue Dream on hand. Blue Dream is, it's my go-to in, uh, in definitely troubled times, but uh, I really like it uh, during normal times as well so chime in on the cannabis question what is your favorite one-to-one cultivar 
And by the way, make sure you check out my vibe on Relevant. Download the app, then join the Cannabis 101 podcast. We're going to have a party. We're going to have cool message boards. Uh, we'll have some live audio chats and Q&As. Uh, it's very, very cool. And you're not going to get hassled talking about cannabis like on some other social media channels. Awesome, awesome stuff on Relevant. Uh, check out the vibe. Current and past guests will be joining us. And you, the listener and viewer, uh, can uh, chime in and get in on the fun. So download the app and then check out the uh, Cannabis 101 podcast vibe on Relevant. Uh, we're going to have the founder and CEO on hour number two this week to tell you a little bit more about just how cannabis-friendly it really is. And, you know, big thanks to uh, Relevant uh, for being a partner and allowing me to set up a vibe there. Of course, the OZ, the Green Generation Co., all great partners of uh, the Cannabis 101 podcast, as is Stonesmiths. As I told you, great local company, stonesmiths.ca. If you're looking to get a vape pen, look no further than the Slash. I mean... This thing is absolutely wonderful. The coolest thing ever is this little built-in loader. You just scoop up your concentrates, throw it in there, uh, or with the click, I just drop it in there, and then boom, away you go. Uh, it's discreet if that's what you're looking for. It's effective. The flavors are amazing. And as we're going to tell you a little bit later in This Week in Cannabis News, ordering uh, Puffco's and things like that is going to get really, really hard to Canada very soon. This is a Canadian company, so get in on that and support local. Check them out, stonesmiths.ca. Uh, the built-in loader is absolutely beautiful, and they got a new chamber on the way, a redesign. It's going to heat up even faster. It's going to bring you even bigger vape clouds. So very cool stuff uh, from the uh, gang at Stonesmiths with the slash stonesmiths.ca. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Oh, another delicious segment coming up of This Week in Cannabis News. And you can find all the cannabis news you need at OkanaganZ.com. That beautiful-looking website is probably getting closer and closer to becoming a reality when uh, my good friend David Wiley looks out his window. Welcome back uh, to the show, David. How are things? Things are good. I, I love that we're taking the, the same tips from the same fashion folks because yes. this is... <laughs> this is too much, man. Yeah, this this uh, obviously was not uh, not planned because because why would we? But when we both logged onto the system to record this, we were like, oh wow, it's like looking in a mirror almost. <laughs> oh yeah, we both got got a good laugh out of that one. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, something that is uh, definitely not funny. Um, uh, well, anything to do with COVID is is not funny. But you know, we we all have concerns about our health and. You know, we're worried about uh, health, frontline workers in the hospitals, but we should also be worried about the frontline workers, you know, that are still out there day to day, especially during the, the darkest times that we had. And who knows what's still to come, you know, but the people that are uh, allowing us to shop for groceries and different things like that. And in those essential services are cannabis workers. Yeah, and they want to keep their... Um their position front and center right now when it comes to pandemic pay. If you go into a BC uh, cannabis store 
right now, which is the provincial store, you'll see that workers are wearing buttons that say essential pay for essential work. And uh, that comes back to a policy decision that seems to be leaving uh, both cannabis uh, frontline employees as well as uh, liquor employees in BC out in the cold. And throughout the pandemic, employers have been recognizing the risks and the challenges that frontline workers are facing. Uh, and you know, a lot of companies have been rewarding their workers with a little bit of extra moolah on the side there to show their appreciation that uh, they're coming in and following the policies and you know making sure that people can get what they need to get. Uh, in BC, that included essential provincial government employees. More than 250,000 uh, eligible workers who provide frontline in-person services in BC, places like hospitals, jails, uh, long-term and assisted living facilities have been receiving a lump sum payment, which is worth about $4 per hour for a 16-week period. And that was supposed to start uh, last March. And here we are more than a year later, and a BC cannabis store employee's uh, are still excluded from that federal provincial temporary pandemic pay program. So they're wearing buttons and they're trying to put pressure on the government to, uh, to create a little bit of equity when it comes to that payment. I mean, you know, they are, um, uh, they're frontline facing, um, customers. And we all know that when it comes to the way that people are treating others through the pandemic, it's not always the politest, you know, we've seen those videos on, TikTok and on Reddit and wherever else of uh, people getting screamed at, um, you know, all kinds of craziness that's happening. So cannabis, uh, cannabis store employees here in BC really want to, uh, to get what they believe is their fair cut of this pandemic pay uh, and are urging people also to uh, send a letter, reach out to the finance minister here in BC, Selena Robinson, to show that there's uh, public support behind their cause. Yeah, and and that's so important. You know, if this is a, a, a as a an industry needs to be taken seriously and was deemed an essential service, so the people that are working in that shop are are just like the people that are uh, working at a grocery till or in a in a liquor store and things like that. And I know that some cannabis companies really did try to take care of their employees, especially during the worst times when staff shortages were really really threatening the closure of some stores i know you know plant life cannabis is owned uh, by the uh, you know it's the same company or partnership as the canadian brew house and those uh, you know uh, pubs and sports places are uh, you know spread across everywhere so what they did was allowed their plant life employees to be able to order food off the brew house menu it was delivered to them it was free they were taking care of their employees because they realized that you know no what no matter what you're selling if you're deemed an essential service you're dealing with customers and you're putting yourself at risk and you know that has to include the cannabis space for sure I love the, that mention of the different way that companies are going out and trying to show employees that they care. And, you know, I think that that's important. And I hope that that kind of attitude where we're um, treating employees with, a, you know, that modicum of respect and finding different ways to reward them for a job well done. I hope that that continues even post pandemic. Yeah, it, it, it really should because it's, uh, 
you know, th- this is kind of a good lesson for all of us as well. Um, just about uh, kind of generosity and, and kindness and just, you know, dealing with people. Everybody is stressed. Everybody uh, is having a tough time with this. I, I'm not sure we're all in the same boat. We're in the same storm. Some people have bigger boats than others. But, you know, we have to find a way uh, to get through this for sure. Okay, th- this next story, um, is, is, I'm just going to be honest. I'm disappointed uh, by this next story because... I feel that uh, this action by a very reputable and popular cannabis magazine is, uh, you know, is is backwards. It's it's contrary to the legalization movement. So, I, I wonder what you think. I know you wrote a piece about this, but uh, the the publisher of High Canada has decided to back and endorse a black market company. I just find this totally backwards to the legalization movement. And, and I, frankly, I think it's, it's just wrong. It's become clear that some folks just really don't want to play within the framework of legalization. And that's extends to the publisher of high Canada magazine. And uh, he says that he's made what uh, is his first ever endorsement uh, over the years. And yeah, it's for an illegal mail order marijuana operation. Uh, actually, you know, it goes one step further than an endorsement. Um, the high editor and publisher Cy Williams actually calls his relationship with the store a partnership. Um, so he says that the uh, this site is going to carry an official High Canada magazine, a seal of approval. And uh, the unlicensed cannabis store is doing things really that licensed retailers can't. Uh, William says that soon the site's going to be adding products that's imported from, from the U.S. company, Entourage Therapeutics, uh, as well as CBD products uh, that are clearly making health claims that uh, you just can't uh, make in the legal side of things. Now, of course, none of this is legal. Uh, it ships through Canada Post, like a lot of these different companies. And, you know, there are a few real problems here that I have beyond the fact that this isn't a licensed store. First, it highlights the frustration that I'm hearing from legal operators who are wondering why these URLs just don't get blocked. Uh, Second, they're classifying themselves as a Canadian medical marijuana company. This is a time when government officials are looking seriously at clamping down on medical growers uh, in a business like this saying that it's medical certainly isn't helping the cause for those who are legit. And finally, if you look at the site, I, I mean, it's confusing. Frankly, for new cannabis customers, even the initials OCS match the Ontario Cannabis Store. So, uh, you know, I, I really think, like you said, that this is going in the wrong direction. Um, and I think that this is a bit of a losing bet right now. Legal cannabis is growing. Um, the illicit market is sliding. And, you know, to, uh, to, to go full in on a company that could be shut down overnight just doesn't seem like a great decision as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's irresponsible in my opinion because, you know, there's a lot of people that are working really, really hard uh, to to convince people that need convincing that cannabis is a legitimate industry. And, you know, then you have somebody that has a, a very strong following and a big following in the cannabis industry uh, unfortunately, representing a lot of those people in in this in this terrible way, because you know, I listen. I've had I've had a lot of uh, black market companies approach me about advertising, and I, I'm not going to do it because you know I'm I'm standing behind the the uh, legal market, 
undercutting them would be promoting anybody on the black market. And, you know, whether or not the black market ever goes away, I don't know, because the plant is, you know, a lot easier to grow than it is to, to you know, have black market booze or something like that. Uh, but this is just so contrary to everything that so many people have been working for. And frankly, this feeds into the stigma of cannabis that, that so many people put on the legal industry. And, and that's just terribly unfortunate and irresponsible, in my opinion. And, and you know, you mentioned that uh, unlicensed companies are approaching you and I've had the same um, mostly unlicensed companies are advertising in high magazine. Um, there, you know, are a handful of legal companies that, uh, that are advertising and, you know, they have to make that decision. Um, as far as the ounce is concerned, um, we are support legal and we endorse legal products. We endorse legal stores and, uh, are pro legal cannabis. I've never made any bones about that. And, uh, that's the way that it's going to stay. Yep. Us as well here at the Cannabis 101 podcast. So, again, you know, and, and listen, high, high Canada and, and, and a lot of magazines have done, you know, good things in, in um, you know, mm-hmm. bringing uh, some, you know, I'm, I'm not saying every article or the magazine should be thrown out or trashed, but I just uh, disagree with this decision uh, wholeheartedly. And I, and I think it's, uh, it's sending the wrong message. Um, well, speaking of sending, this is going to be something that's going to be a big problem uh, when it comes to vapes, uh, particularly in the, in the U.S. Uh, you know, I, I'm on a mailing list for Puffco and I got an email and I know uh, you saw it as well. And uh, there's, there's, you know, there was a vape crisis at one point uh, because of the black market. Now there's a vape shipping crisis going on with some companies, David. Yeah, it's an amended U.S. law that is really throttling vape distributors. Um, you know, here in Canada, really the selection of cannabis vapes is going to be more limited and popular brands just won't be able to ship here. Um, so here's what's going on. According to J.D. Supra, there's an omnibus bill called the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. That was signed into law late last year. And uh, along with COVID relief, uh, and many other provisions are significant restrictions on mailing and shipping vapor products. And some of these uh, penalties are quite serious and criminal penalties if you break this uh, break this act. Um, so the also the Appropriations Act amends something called the Prevent All Cigarette Trafficking Act or the PACT um, to include electronic nicotine delivery systems. Uh, and those include hemp and CBD vapor products. So under this amended law, vape sellers are really beholden to much more stringent standards when it comes to registering their products with government. Um, they have to label their vapes as tobacco products and need to collect signatures on delivery. There's a whole slew of other things that they have to do as well. Um, and part of this legislation also means that vapor products can no longer be shipped through the U.S. Postal Service. And these tough new laws have basically led UPS and FedEx to announce that they're not going to ship them for home delivery home delivery anymore due to the complexity of the laws. Uh, you know, even if a hemp or C- CBD vapor product manufacturer happens to find a shipping company to send these products to consumers, uh, it's likely to be really prohibitively expensive and the manufacturer is still going to have to comply with all these stringent rules of the PACT Act. Um, you know, and again, retailers who don't register comply with this are subject to these penalties. And that includes up to three years in prison. 
Wow. You know, there, there, there is a, a lot of things that we talk about that uh, will fall into place when the U.S. federally legalizes. And, you know, we've talked about apps and things like that. This is just one more of those things that, uh, you know, if cannabis becomes federally legal, this would be, you know, something that they could definitely look at, I, I would imagine. But it, it also... You know, it, it brings up something closer to home in that, you know, if these companies are going to have a hard enough time shipping from the United States, Canadian companies might be able to uh, actually take advantage of this uh, unfortunate situation down in the United States and, you know, start getting, you know, the companies and, and their products in the hands of consumers that might be ordering from the U.S. And hey, I love shopping made in Canada products, especially when it comes to these kinds of electronics that need to be, um, you know, up to safety standards. I think the Canadian companies who are making these kinds of uh, devices really have an opportunity here. I mean, yeah, let's let's face it. The U.S. market is pretty huge. And uh, if you're not able to access it, that can most certainly be a problem Uh but it goes both ways. So if, if American companies can't ship here, then there's going to be um, quite uh, an opening in the market. Yeah. And, you know, that's where companies uh, have got the, the slash up there. Local Edmonton company, uh, you know, can get their product out to uh, other consumers that might ordinarily uh, order from the U.S. because maybe they're not aware that there's so many great companies uh, just here in Canada. But it, it is unfortunate. And I guess, you know, it goes back to something earlier we talked about uh, is is the stigma on cannabis, right? Is, you know, these, these things are not being uh, able to be shipped because they deem it as this dangerous uh, sort of drug uh, situation. So a lot of it does come back to that stigma. And it's weird having to label them as tobacco. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really goes to show what, how the view of these types of devices. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, somebody pointed out that in, in Quebec, I don't know if you can, you can uh, get vapes right now. I, you know, I think there's a real situation with vapes. But yet they're they're okay with people selling pre rolls and listen I love pre rolls but you're lighting up there's combustible action with a joint that is not there uh, with a, with a vape pen so you know it's all uh, in in it's all comes down to education that that's really all it comes down to and and the um, the industry evolving and you know doing a lot of teaching and, and you know one of the things that's going to influence people and you know bring them over to the cannabis side where they eventually will learn is the financial side let's face it you know there are people that will just strictly get into the cannabis business because of money uh, you know and all the power to whatever whatever you want to do that's that's fine with you uh, but there is a lot of big predictions when the cannabis industry started and now a couple of years in things have settled in and there's some big predictions uh, down the road uh, that that I think should excite a lot of people uh, I mean and this is really crystal ball stuff once you start looking this far out uh, cannabis consultants, the Brightfield Group, is forecasting that the Canadian cannabis market uh, will be peaking by 2026 at about $9 billion in annual sales. Now, that's a huge market. And by that time, they say there will be enough retail stores open to handle the demand. Uh, well, enough consumers will have successfully transitioned to the legal market. So uh, as far as um, you know what Brightfield is saying, uh, Jamie Shaw, who uh, is the insights lead at Brightfield and the lead off author of this report, says that uh, the massive growth that we've seen this year 
uh, and probably the next year or two is going to start to taper off because really ultimately there's only so many new uh, cannabis users who are going to be coming online uh, over the time. And uh, part of the part of the challenge here that uh, cannabis companies are facing is the regulation that is uh, that is quite tight on products. Um, that includes the, the 10 milligram limit on edibles, um, which not a lot of consumers are necessarily into, especially the consumers who uh, who are the more heavy users. Um, there's also advertising and packaging restrictions that have had a fairly significant impact on the sector. So there's lots of room for um, government to step in and even heighten that ceiling right now. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Xiao also says that Canada's beverage sector is poised for pretty rapid growth over the next few years. That seems to be a fairly dormant part of uh, cannabis products. either the least used uh, type of product for cannabis users, but that's, uh, that is likely going to change as more and more people try them and the beverages get uh, just better tasting and the effect uh, comes on quicker and offsets quicker, uh, which is something that people really want to see. I mean, there's other kinds of edible products too that might be able to open up the market even more. Um, savory and baked options, for example, are something that we haven't really seen too much of. Yeah, a couple of things that I find uh, interesting is, uh, you know, I, I agree that the 10 milligram uh, limit uh, does hamper people at our experience, but it's so easy to just go buy your own edible and make it at home and and get around that. And I think that uh, you know people are starting to to catch on to that a little bit. The drink thing is interesting. You know, we really didn't have to. You know, th this last summer was not really a regular summer full of barbecues and doing all these things and hanging out. And I'm not sure this summer. So I think that also plays into it, right? You know, you, you talk about going to a barbecue and grabbing a five pack, I guess it is, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that really hasn't kind of happened, uh, unfortunately, because of, uh, of, of COVID. But I, the, the, the one thing I will say about these predictions they're not going to happen unless those regulations are, you know, loosened up a little bit. I'm not saying open it up and let people do what they want, but this industry is only going to be able to grow if it's on a level playing field with others. And right now it's not. So the predictions are great, but, you know, as they mentioned, th those regulations are there. You know, what does Canada do? How is Canada going to react to a lot of other countries by that time, hopefully legalizing? That's going to be a really interesting thing because, you know, are they basing this on Canada being one of the few countries to still be legal by that point? You know, there are so many unknowns yeah. and with big with big figure predictions like this, we've seen them uh, over the last few years with cannabis. How how much is the market worth? How fast is it going to grow? What's it going to be worth a year from now? And they've always been wrong. Uh, we love to talk about them. And, you know, if we went back and we revisited them, we could probably make a nice list of the five greatest flops as far as predictions were concerned. So they're always fun. But, uh, you know, we I think that you and I have seen enough of this to to not put uh, too much stock in it. Uh, but, you know, the, the nine billion dollar figure uh, in annual sales is uh, is a pretty cool cap as far as I'm concerned and yeah. uh, something that that leaves lots of room for growth over the next few years. Yeah, and at the very uh, you know least, as far as good news is, they're predicting an upswing instead of uh, bad news. So uh, you know, <laughs> at least it's uh, at least it's good news that they're predicting for the industry, and you know we can get there. 
Uh, we just have to uh, get around a few things, as uh, as we've been doing for the last two-plus years. Uh, David, thanks, as always, for joining us. Uh, people can find you guys at OkanaganZ.com to get all your cannabis news. Uh, the newsletter comes out on Friday. And check them out on Twitter, at OkanaganZ. Thanks, as always, David. Thank you. stuff as usual from the artist my dead dog that is the weed song you will hear the marijuana song a little bit later on in the program and whenever the cannabis and hemp expo does actually happen we'll be there broadcasting episodes you can find more information at cannabishempexpo.com we will have some free tickets to give away whenever this event does take place looking forward to uh, seeing and meeting uh, a lot of the audience of the uh, cannabis 101 podcast you got a joint uh no not on me man It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. Is it heavy stuff, man? So on uh, Cannabis Characters, I like to take a look at uh, some of the the legendary, some of the unknown characters, some of the side characters from uh, some of your favorite cannabis movies. And today we're going, uh, because we're going to be talking about uh, Sandy Rogan, Seth Rogan's mother in uh, the business of cannabis. Uh, I thought it would be fitting to feature one of his movies. We've already talked about his character, Dale Denton. Uh, but uh, this is a cool side character uh, from Pineapple Express. Uh, we're looking at Red, uh, played by Danny McBride. So Saul and Dale, uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen, uh, I don't want to give away too much of the movie if you haven't seen it, but they show up at Red's house needing some information uh, about a drug lord. And as usual with uh, pretty much anything uh, that Danny McBride is a part of, uh, hilarity definitely ensues. So this is Red, played by Danny McBride in Pineapple Express. Get in here. Coming in. Y'all want to buy some drugs? Yeah. What's up? What's up? Get What's up? Give it. Give it. Oh, look at that. Huh? <laughs> What's up, players? Uh, I've been up in here trying to get a motherfucking scholarship. <laughs> Chilling. What's up with the clothes? Oh, oh. Uh, we were camping. Camping? Yeah. Is your, uh, is your lip okay, man? You been crying? Oh, my my lip. Uh, it's cold sore. Never had one before, so uh, start to cry. 
Dudes, seriously, we're here for a reason. Just ask Chill, him. dude. Chill. I'm boiling some eggs over here. That's we great. Got a just... lot of time to hang out. I'm making a fucking cake. No shit. Time just ask him, man. You what can't. are you doing? Don't ask for a piece. Just I can't ask... have a piece of that? No, you can't have a piece. This is private. Do you know what today is? Tuesday. This is my cat's birthday today. I don't see a cat in here. I'm sorry. We let it out by accident? No, because he died three months ago, okay? So now who's the funny guy? Sorry. All right? Today is his birthday, and it is a tradition that on his birthday, I'd get up extra early and make him his favorite kind of uh, dessert. Don't worry, bro. Your cat's going to heaven. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he went to heaven. He was a little fucker. He could have gone to hell. What do we talk, guys? Uh, ask him. Just ask him, okay? Seriously. Ask what? Just come straight. Um, What's up? Yeah, right. Laying on him, man. What's going on? Right on. Um, we need to know. We need to know about your source, Ted. Ted Jones. See, Dale here is a uh, protest servant, and no, uh, I'm not. He, that's not what I am. Oh, but it well, he's matter. not that, but he was outside Ted's. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't, look, uh, we don't want to bring you in to what we're in, okay? You don't want any trouble. We don't want to give you trouble. So it's probably best you don't know the whole story, okay? You don't think I can handle danger? What are you talking about? You can. I totally can. And for you to come into my house and not tell secrets because you think you're saving me, well, in reality, it just makes you look like a dumbass, okay? Because look at this. You see this? You see that? There's no hair under here, bro. Okay? What's the significance of that? It makes me aerodynamic when I fight. I can take danger. Okay. Has anyone called asking about Saul or the Pineapple Express or anything? That's all we need to know. Uh-uh. 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 Is it uh-huh or uh-uh? It's uh-uh. There it is, man. Cleared. Over. Everything's fine, I told you, bro. All right. So that's, you know, hilarity is, uh, you know, not even a strong enough word to, to use for what happens later on. There's a big fight. Um, red pops up at the other times in the movie as well. I don't want to give too much away again, but a great side character. We'll get into a few more of them uh, from that movie. Craig Robinson is, is another one that I absolutely love. So that is red uh, played by Danny McBride in pineapple express as our cannabis character this week. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Diving into the business of cannabis with Malka LaBelle of the Green Generation Co. Find out how Malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. As I uh, as I bring in the wandering Malka still on that beautiful <laughs> BC trek. I'm so jealous uh, that you're uh, able to do this. And uh, so great to chat with you on the road again. And we start with the lead topic, um, going back to where it all began. So tell us about the the origins and the kind of the green roots of the green generation company totally yes thanks dean yeah so um, i wanted to i was i'm on this road trip that has been going on for a while a couple weeks uh staying along the way in places to visit people mostly clients and and um, former clients in some cases and that's actually what this is all about so the green generation company actually started off about being a power a green power generation business opportunity 
Um, and it had more to do with clean power and sustainable uh, green power. So like from solar and wind um, and really clean tech is where it initially started. And it started with a company called Portable Electric, um, which is based out of Vancouver. It was founded by a friend of mine, Mark Rabin, who an oil and gas refugee himself, um, he came up with a, a patented technology with him and his partners that essentially stores solar and uh, wind power in a battery that looks like a generator. So you see there on your screen, those are the portable electric fleet. And they've been in business since 2016, I believe, maybe a little bit before then. And they focused in focused their area on uh, the movie business and like basically power that needs to be quiet and that doesn't uh, replace diesel and gas generators like sort of in an indoor or enclosed space. So that was sort of their first, first foray into the market. And in visiting Mark and uh, talking to him on my trip out to BC um, and seeing following their growth, they have really just done some amazing things um, with the, the actual technology of making uh, renewable energy uh, storable, which is like sort of the big pro like problem with uh, renewable energy is that there's no really re good way to store the energy other than from the sun and from the wind when it's generated. So I got a chance to talk with him again, and and I wanted to bring up the fact that this is really what the Green Generation Company started as. And it really was an opportunity to take their business model and turn it into a power as a service or a rental model back before that was a thing. <laughs> and um, I was really supportive of that and essentially took that at a fork in the road. So in my own like career path, I was, uh, had been, you know, watching Mark grow as an entrepreneur and as a friend, uh, he had been an oil and gas engineer himself. Uh, so I also called him an oil and gas refugee because he sort of moved over into the sustainability world before everyone else did. And uh, his huge hustle and his huge entrepreneurial spirit. And I, I had invited him to the company I was working at uh, in the oil and gas world because they were largely in sort of a cutting edge in the data and the, and the tech space space in oil and gas and his solution, his software, his, his actually his technology was, I thought was a good compliment. And I remember him wheeling his initial prototype, like up the elevator, off the elevator into our boardroom in 2014, uh, before they really uh, started manufacturing. And I just, I was sort of harkening, we were just recalling that time. Um, and this is something, it was a pivotal piece in my world because I took that business idea that essentially the rental service, uh, power as a service rental market and took that business concept, business model into my MBA and literally ran it through Dragon's Den our A class in our entrepreneurship and innovation. And essentially the business model was not well received. It was not clear how the investors would make their money back. And that's essentially the it, why I pivoted into the green generation being into cannabis because I was getting all this mail from the industry about thinking green generation had to be with cannabis and the power generation model was not quite the right fit either. Um, so that was my fork in the road um, is that I chose not to pursue working with his company and instead worked on what is now the green generation company as a consulting sort of arm. But that's where it started and watching them grow they're now producing these 20K, uh, let's kilowatt hour electric generators that are all weatherproof. And it's like a Tesla battery, but it just doesn't have a car around it. So it can power and charge pretty much like everything from a car for 300 kilometers to an entire house facility. Um, what they really found their stride is with COVID is these pop-up you know, uh, medical centers or pop-up testing centers and all these things where you need power but maybe don't have a, an outlet nearby so you just roll up one of these little guys 
and plug in and there you go there's your power and it uh, re recharges with solar these solar panels on the sun or a fast charge um just plugging into a you know regular outlet in, inside of on a grid or on, on in the power source and it, it's just they've just working on their technology of going uh lighter weight batteries so they're easier to move around as well as faster charging and just making them more versatile and i've just just been entirely enamored with how um how they've grown since i've started to know about them and i just want to respect the place where it all came from you know mark was my connection he's based in vancouver and i've got to visit his factory a couple times his business is really core and now can complement the cannabis world because they provide both indoor and outdoor sustainable power solutions that are way less expensive than the power bills you would see from a grid power situation and it's renewable and sustainable so it sort of still meets all of the criteria that the green generation stands for and now they have a bunch more sizes and options they're all made on shore here in canada and it's very exciting to see them grow and that's where it all began uh, I, I like that. I, you know, I, I like that uh, at that fork in the road that, that you took and, and went separate ways. And, and you know, both have, find, uh, have found, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a nice, comfortable spot and some happiness. But uh, I, I, I think it's always incredible to, to find more ways that we can use less of to, to provide. And that's something that sounds like something like this is, uh, you know, right, right, uh, right in their wheelhouse. 100%. Yeah, and soon I'll be able to have, um, like, anyone can reach them through me or through directly through them. Um, they do have a place on their website. If you do hear this and you don't connect with me first, you can always ref uh, use me as a referral. So the Green Generation Company or Malka LaBelle, they have a spot for that because they really recognize that their business grew from the support of others, whether indirectly or directly. Um, that's a big part of the ethos of their company and, and mine as well. So I like to always help support other uh, entrepreneurs that, recognize that we're all in this together <laughs> and uh, there's a way to do that so I'm, i love that i want to pay homage to that yeah and and i and i think it's you you raised a really good point about uh, especially during uh, covid where uh, sometimes we need these emergency pop-up medical situations this is perfect for that depending on the size that you need and you know for those looking uh, in the cannabis space to you know leave less of a footprint this is also uh, perfect for that. So, you know, it's kind of a blend of, of, of both worlds. So I, I really like that. All right, let's get on to change makers now. And uh, I, I'm pretty excited about this one. So uh, who and why are you going with this person in change makers? My change maker this week is Sandy Rogan. That's uh, the mother of the famous Seth Rogan. Now, I'm not sure how many times I've mentioned on your show, but I know I've been talking about this for a long time. So um, Sandy and my mom uh, are really good friends. So there's a little picture there. My mom is on the right and Seth's mom is in the middle. And that was taken in the summer of 2017. Um, Seth and I were both born in Vancouver uh, in the early 80s, Jewish moms. Um, and um, they've been friends ever since. Uh, my mom moved back to Vancouver a few years ago and like literally into Sandy's neighborhood and they go on like walks together and have dinner together on a regular basis, even in COVID. And I think that they're the closest proximity to each other so they don't have to drive to get to each other, which is great for both of them. Uh, they do a lot of walking um, and talking because that's what mothers do. <laughs> and they talk about their children <laughs> all the time. Uh, so I got a chance to talk to Sandy when I was in Vancouver. 
um, just to fill her in on some of the things that, you know, I kind of think of her like a sort of a distant aunt or cousin, like even though she's not in my life directly, she's a big part of my mom's support system. And that's how I really uh, paid homage to her help to my mom because she's very grounding. She's a very natural, spirited and like, like just normal person. Um, sometimes my mom is sometimes like that and sometimes she's not. But um, I have to say that I got a chance to speak with her and I told her about some of the work I'm doing and the Truth on Cannabis project, which is all about sort of where people came from and how they're related to the cannabis industry. And of course, her first objection is like, I have nothing to do with cannabis now at all. I'm like, well, you kind of do <laughs> through extension of your son and his success. And, and I said, you know, really, I just wanted to learn more about like his, his growing, his upbringing. Like I know where he came from. I was around when he was very little, but I was very little too. So I don't remember that, but I guess I wanted to know sort of what's been happening or what happened to him and you and how, how did you make such a perfect human is essentially what I was saying to her. Um, and I, so she, she, she laughed, she chuckled. She's like, you sound just like your mother. That was her comment. But she said, you know, honestly, she, she did actually uh, in our initial conversation, share some very enlightening I would say mom hacks, which I have adopted on my own without even knowing that they were other mom hacks. Um, and so she are, we are going to be doing a more deep dive interview. We've scheduled for April the 14th for the Truth on Cannabis series. And I'm inviting other people that have questions for Sandy Rogan uh, to go and visit our website, truthoncannabis.org. And there's a button there that says Ask Sandy. Uh, and if you have a question for her, I'll, I'll, I'll compile them and ask them during our interview. She was very open to talking and sharing her motherly wisdom, whether she believes in everything I'd, will be determined. I don't know what her whole stance is on cannabis, but she's sort of been this amazing uh, character and true life person that uh, I'm excited that I know personally and that we'll get a chance to, to speak to you more about uh, coming up real soon here. Uh, that that's I think that's going to be really interesting for obviously fans of uh, Seth Rogen, whether you're a fan of uh, Seth Rogen because of his movies or uh, just uh, the the uh, the social media profile or the you know the cannabis uh, side of, of Seth Rogen because obviously uh, he does have his own uh, brand. I think it would be neat to get kind of an insight into that because he he's told some actually some pretty funny stories about growing up and you know uh, being caught with a bunch of mushrooms in his backpack or something like that he said you know when you get caught with a bunch of mushrooms you know weed is a lot easier to uh, to slide by and and i don't know whether those are true or just uh, you know funny quotes but uh, just to kind of get an insight into you know what what the the background was and you know seth rogan has said and we've talked about it on this week in cannabis news many times about you know he talks about every decision he has made has been influenced by cannabis uh, you know because he's you know constantly using cannabis and and every decision while he's using cannabis has been influenced so it's a really interesting uh success story that you know a lot of people can point to when when people bring up that typical stigma about lazy stoners well this is a guy who have you ever seen like his pottery is unbelievable as well i mean this guy has a lot going on and he is always as he says influenced by cannabis so looking forward to kind of seeing that insight and, and 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 also you know what her thoughts on the plant are as well Exactly. I have a few of those answers already based on our initial conversation. I'm not going to not going to give it away, but it's a, a little bit different than uh, or it's a little bit 
probably more common than you think as uh, as an answer. But uh, I'm excited to hear more about the stories. And apparently his book is coming out in about a month or so. So I'm hoping I can get my hands on a copy of that um, through her maybe and, and just kind of go with the stories in that. Apparently I like what you're saying. They're really his crazy and funny stories and reading her comments around that where she didn't even know that they were true. She didn't know about them. She wished she had known about them at the time. She maybe could have helped <laughs> because, you know, that was her response. But it's I'm looking forward to checking those out because I think they will be a riot and a good reflection on where we are in our place and time. Yeah. You know, like, like don't you think when I, when I watch, uh, uh, Seth Rogen movies, and and we just featured uh, in Cannabis Characters uh, Red from Pineapple Express, uh, played by Danny McBride. Uh, yeah. But don't don't you don't you think when you when I watch Seth Rogen in movies, um, I kind of just think that's Seth Rogen in real life. Like he seems really I genuine, and while he plays different <laughs> characters, there's always something that is still Seth Rogen. Although there's been some really uh, you know non comedic roles that he's played where he really shows shows I think some range. But a lot of those comedies, like I just think that's kind of Seth Rogen. I think so too. And you know, the funniest thing about it, here's here's hearkening back to the early stages of his career. So you remember the movie Superbad? Yeah. And knocked up. I think it's in both movies, actually. So there's a scenes in those movies where you see it like the, the setup, the living room setup. I think it was super bad. Maybe no, it might have been, I think it was knocked up. Anyways, they're all sitting around in this like, you know, patched together jumbled furniture or whatever. The furniture in that set is literally from his mom's basement. And you know how I know that? Because my mom has the same furniture. <laughs> so I'm like, I recognize that. Like, that's a rattan sofa from, you know. Yeah. So that's what I mean, is that the character and the environment are almost on point because I, not because I recognize them from the movie, because I recognize them from my own 80s growing up in Vancouver with the same people. So that's yeah. what I mean, is there's a few pieces to that and references in those movies, early days, that were references to situations in my own childhood, going to summer camp and going to the places that those people were. So like Evan Goldberg, for example, his partner, we went to camp together in Kelowna, actually, on, on uh, Lake Kalamalka as children the same year. So I was there that at the same time, we're the same age. So it's like, it's so we're removed now, but not by much. And I think that that's really the cool part about it is that we're, we're coming back full circle and why not, right? Like we're all mm. in this together. Uh, early Freaks and Geeks uh, with uh, Seth Rogen is uh, quite interesting to watch as well before he became, you know, the the movie star Seth Rogen. All right, let's go with what it means to be green. Uh, last time you were talking about uh, things are greener on the other side in BC. Today we're talking about whatever is brown can also be green. What are you going with here? Yeah, I'm like so on the full on spring analogies here. Yeah, so this is this picture that I took. I don't know if you're able to see that, but I took a picture when I was here the other day. Just, I took it two days ago. It was a picture of a, a tree that was brown. There you go. And then the the tree on the on the right, the green one, is the same tree from the same spot, like the exact same tree. <laughs> it's a famous. It's a walkway here in Kelowna in West Kelowna called Galatly Bay. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of uh, the waterfront right off of Boucherie Road. And Boucherie Road is a very long road of uh, lots of wineries. It's wine country in Kelowna. There's like 30 wineries on this one road. And this is the bay at the end of this road. What I'm saying here is that whatever is brown, like this tree on the left, is going to turn green because it's going to be spring. And we just assume and adapt that that's, that's the truth. We know that that's going to be true. There's no question that that brown tree is going to be a green tree. And, you know, for 38 summers, I went to this location. I've been in this part of the world for 38 summers. 
but I've never been here in winter before. Now I know April's not winter, but it's kind of still chilly. It's not, it's not green, right? That's the whole point. And my, my comment around this is that we know that everything is brown, that all trees and grass, they were brown in winter and then when the snow was gone and then they become green. And we really recognize the beauty in the green part because we see it's beautiful. It's got its peacock feathers out. You know, it's the most beautiful. It's got all dressed up. It's ready for the show with the leaves on it. But what I'm, I'm drawing this comparison here because in this exact same part of the world, uh, in Canada, is where we really see where the brown is the common. It's the the brown is the grounding. The the brown is the constant, and it's what this is. Is, is my analogy to this is around the legacy cannabis industry. So not far from this where this tree is growing is a lot of people that are part of the, the BC uh, uh, micro or the BC craft farmers co-op. That's where I met them initially. They're literally down the road and that's where they live. And this is their, this is their, this is where they live and talking to them in person. So I've got a chance to sit down and talk with them in person since I've been here, the members of the co-op and I hear them talk and they talk like Brown is Brown is Brown. It's always going to be Brown. It's sturdy. It's strong. Just leave it, leave it the way it is. And I'm thinking of it like this green tree is kind of like the cannabis rec market. It's like, it's all dressed up. It's ready for the ball. It's ready for the rest of the world to see it at its best from the same place, the same tree, but it's not the boring mundane part. It's the beautiful part, but it's the same thing. And this is the mental gymnastics that I've been doing. Maybe there's a few too many joints in the picture, but that's okay. That's why we're all here. Uh, But sitting around talking to these people, they really, really respect the earth and the plant and the the legacy and the medicine that they're building and they're growing. And that's what they do. They're growing medicine for their families, for their friends, for themselves. And the summertime only comes a few weeks out of the year. And the summertime comes and comes and takes the summertime and takes the fun and takes the green and then leaves. And, and I think that that is a way that this industry can coexist both in the legacy realm and in the rec legal realm is that, just a recognition that they can be the part of the same thing. They just have different like viewpoints from different people and that's okay. And I think that's kind of the message here is that we know it's going to be brown for a large part of the time in winter, and then it's going to be green and the green brings new life and new money, new freshness, new perspective. But sometimes when you have this new perspective, all of a sudden that brown piece is looks different or is better or, is you know optimized and not cut down because it's brown and old so i think that in this world in this in this place we can see that harmonization and it's going to happen from these these locations where the two sides of the cannabis conversation are really head on head and they're coming from the same place so i just wanted to point that out because it was kind of struck me while i was smoking a joint in front of this tree that maybe this is why this has been such a struggle is that there are two perspectives of the exact same thing and we just have to have that as an open conversation. And that's what it means to be green this week. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's, there, you know, there's a lot of potential for people in the legacy market to get in uh, to, to legalization and, and have a lot of success and, and help grow the industry uh, properly the way they think they do. But there, there also has to be, you know, have to get rid of those preconceived notions and opinions and things like that and, and actually see it for what it is. I mean, you know, if, if somebody sees the le- the the legalization market, uh, you know, that, as something that's that's not right and the black market that is right, that's that's kind of another form of the stigma. So, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, we talked about it in This Week in Cannabis News about the publisher of High Canada endorsing an illegal, okay 
whole website. Like that's that's wrong. That's yeah. irresponsible. That's you know we have to legalization is here. And you know yeah. is it perfect? No, not at all. But you know the black market is shrinking, and people need to you know they have to let go of those uh, preconceived notions and opinions and and do some research and see that it's not just all corporate suits gobbling everything up. There are a lot right. of great small companies out there. So just like we're yeah. always trying to convince people about the plant that it that it's not dangerous, it's not devil's lettuce, it's not reefer madness. We also, I guess, have to com- convince the legacy market that it's not just just suits gobbling up 100%. the money in, in the legalization yeah. market. It's true. And unfortunately, I have to say the politics, like literally or the, our political system has, has infiltrated that. And that's also not so cool because politics are not supposed to be bought by companies. And unfortunately, right. they have been. And, and that's actually the key piece is that politicians have left politics and joined the private or the can the private sector is what it's called and are on the boards of these cannabis legal and publicly traded companies. And that's essentially, that's the piece that's offside is that, you know, people that were in politics where they were really, they're out for the good of the people. That's what the whole point of politics is, is the democratic society, you're elected in office so that you have influence and you have the ability to take the needs of your constituents to the leadership of the country. But then when you're done with politics and then you go back and then you sort of get, you know, you, you find a role, which is not a bad thing, but I'm saying that's essentially the close, it's the other side of that conversation, which is the part that hurts people that previously would have voted for those people. That, and that's that's the where the money and the politics interact, which is offside in lots of countries, including our own. You can't mm-hmm. do that anymore from a influential perspective. Like you cannot pay, companies cannot pay politicians to lobby in the way that they used to be able to do that. The laws have changed around that, but the mentality of it hasn't. And that's what I mean is that this is a mentality question. This is a point of view. And I'm saying in this piece is that it can be both. We can have our cake and eat it too. It's just the perception, the attitude, and the stigma has to change. And it's not the stigma in the only one spot. There's a whole bunch of stigma, like you said, Dean, that has to be cleared in order for this to be true. Indeed. Uh, good segment uh, today. Uh, I, I want you to get back to your uh, traveling because I can't wait to hear uh, some of the stories. But if you want to find out how Melka can help you, check it out on the screen, greengencompany.com. Enjoy uh, enjoy BC, but remember, you got to come back to Alberta, okay? So you can't just stay in BC, but have fun on your travels, Melka. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dean. Have a great day. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast. It's all part of the cannabis life experience. Turning the wheel of cannabis. One toke at a time. All right. At any point, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter at the Cannabis 101. Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at the Cannabis 101 Podcast, and you can always email me, Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. You can also stay anonymous if you'd like to win a prize pack. Just please let me know. And you can visit Cannabis101Podcast.ca. You can find past episodes. Uh, You can get in touch with us there as well. You can also subscribe to the Weed Weekly. Just click on that green circle and you are in the mix for the Weed Weekly. It'll come right to your inbox every Friday, and you can uh, have the latest 
on the Cannabis 101 podcast. We also have a weekly giveaway and a lot of other fun stuff in there as well. Speaking of fun, check out stonesmiths.ca. The slash takes just four seconds to heat up and then you fire away. It has three temperature settings, a 12-second auto-fire mode. It is everything you need to dip your toe into the world of concentrates or just leave the torch at home and use this fits right in your pocket it's so awesome and uh yeah as a canadian we just talked about it in this week in cannabis news now's your chance to really support a local canadian company so if you were looking at ordering from something from the states it's going to cost you a lot more way cheaper to grab one of these here in canada big time uh canadian company right here in edmonton check them out at stonesmiths dot ca bud dope flower ganja mary jane we all have our own language when it comes to cannabis herb john lennon plant tie stick salad so let's explore another weed word of the day samuel ojects the hobbit's leaf lady gaga 420 So for weed word of the day, I give you one slang term and one standard industry term. Uh, So it uh, just helps uh, educate us all a little bit because a lot of these things, uh, when I am doing my research, I haven't heard about before. Uh, So it uh, educates me as well. So the slang term, I grew up with the term pocket rocket meaning something else. It meant Henri Richard, Maurice Richard's younger brother. Uh, Maurice was the rocket, Henri was the pocket rocket. So that's what that's what I always think of when I hear pocket rocket. And then now I find out it's a term for a joint, and it makes sense. You know, a, a joint in your pocket is uh, something that could send you to the moon, uh, figuratively. So... Pocket rocket. I like that. I might have to start using that a little bit more. Let my friends know that I got a pocket rocket ready to go when, whenever we can get back to hanging out again. We'll have to have all of our own pocket rockets for a little while. Uh, but yeah, a term for a joint is pocket rocket. Now, clone is the standard term. And you're going to hear this a lot um, when, as you see the plant on the screen when they're talking about growing. So this refers to basically a clipping from a plant which you could put in the roots and it will grow through what is called the cloning process of the mother plant. And, and, you know, when we went to Parkland flower, there's a room of mother plants where you can go in, you can take a clip off of that, put it in something else and you have a whole new plant to go off. This is how people continually grow uh, with from one plant you can you know there's been mother plants that have been around for years and years now you know they they do weaken a little bit at times is from from what i understand i'm not a growing expert but uh, from what i understand they do uh, sometimes get a little bit weak over time but uh, one mother plant can last a long time and provide so much goodness uh, for everybody out there so there we go that is your uh, weed word of the day on the slang side pocket rocket and on the standard side uh, we are going with clone on weed word of the day the cannabis life experience it's not just about getting high it's about getting healthy turning the wheel of cannabis one toke at a time. All right, that is going to wrap things up for another episode, episode 89, hour number one. We'll have hour number two coming out 
tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this show, whether you're watching it on YouTube or streamed on our social media channels, or you're listening to it wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You are our most important partner because without you, uh, this show would not last very long. So thank you for tuning in to the program. Uh, please subscribe wherever you're watching it. If you're on YouTube, hit that bell. You'll get a notification every time. Wherever you're listening, please leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show. It's obviously very important to us uh, to be able to know how to improve uh, the program as much as we possibly can. And make sure you check out the Cannabis101podcast.ca where you can subscribe to the Weed Weekly. If you're in the mix, you can get a prize. You can win a prize pack every Friday, but only if you sign up. This is only for subscribers. So uh, please uh, tell your friends, and uh, if you if you are subscribing already, tell your friends. And if you haven't, uh, just head to the website, uh, click on the green circle, and you are in the mix. And it's an easy way to keep up with the cannabis. 101 podcast if you're into other shows check out podcast alley i've got a whole bunch of uh, shows on there of the sports variety and then of course the cannabis 101 podcast and you can uh, link up to me on those websites or you can email me cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to partner up with the show or you think you would make a good guest i would absolutely love uh, to hear from you on that note, all right, uh, reminder, our cannabis question is, what is your favorite one-to-one balanced cultivar? We'll have uh, some of your responses, hopefully, on hour number two on Wednesday when we will speak with Winder Hughes, uh, CEO of Relevant, the new vibe that we're on. Make sure you check us out on our Relevant vibe. Just download the Relevant app and you can join the fun. So we're going to talk to Winder about uh, what the app is all about, what you can expect, and why you should be on a cannabis-friendly space. Of course, Chris Ionson is our educator. He's the regional manager with Plant Life Cannabis. He will drop by for Know Your Buds and much, much more. Past episodes can be found at cannabis101podcast.ca, and as mentioned, Podcast Alley is where you can find a whole bunch of my shows. As we always do, we're going to leave you with the marijuana song from the artist My Dead Dog. Reminder, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. We will talk again on Wednesday. Have a great week in cannabis, everyone. Mm-hmm.